I'm a little teapot, short and stout. <laughs> Here is my handle. Here is my spout. Would you like to um? Would you like to explain yourself? I'm really tired. Oh, I'm really, I'm really tired, and I was just thinking about the Battle of Helm's Deep, and I just, I really. I, all the tension was building up to that moment, and I feel like at that point, as an audience member, I was the all spilled over. Yeah, and I had to. Yeah, I had to be tipped over and poured out. Uh, which it, which happened after the Battle of Helm's Deep, and and the uh, the Middle Earthians won. Spoilers. <laughs> Music. <laughs> For a moment there, I thought your excuse was, would you like to explain yourself? Um, I'm really tired. <laughs> That's all you were going to say. <laughs> oh, I love that. That was good. No, I enjoyed that. I don't know where I got Helm's Deep from. I don't know either, man, but I'm, I'm glad we went on that little journey. That's I, just a scene that always stuck with me. Yeah. Um, I don't care who you are uh, or where you've been. Or how many people, or where how many going. movies you've seen, or where you're going, or who you're with, for any reason. Are you okay? Uh, <laughs> I lost my train of thought a long yeah. time ago. So, um, but speaking of trains, yeah. today <laughs> we are not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, not speaking of trains, and this is Marcus. Does what? No, no, no. What? Do a real intro. Come on. No, I okay. What? Where did it go wrong? I mean, from the beginning, you your segue was trains, and it had nothing to do with that. I I think I'm just. I don't think we're on the same page. Oh no, I we thought, clearly aren't. Do I need to I do the trains. intro? No, it's my turn. I'm gonna do it. Okay, let's All see. Right. Today is the podcast that you're listening to is Nonsensical Brilliance, the podcast. My name is Sheriff, and I'm your host. And with me, as always, is my co-host with the mo-host, Marcus Young. I don't know why I included your last name. Yeah, you do that sometimes, but hello. Hello. It's just so easy. It's just three syllables. Rolls off the tongue. Got yeah, great it is name. three syllables. Yours it isn't. Really, mine does not roll off the tongue super easily. No. <laughs> You know, shut up. Um, sounds cool, but it just yeah. does not lend itself to. Okay, this is not what we need to be talking about right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let me just let me just clarify something. Um, you know, during this quarantine dozen, which, by the way, you know, we jokingly said we weren't going to get a dozen. Yeah. Oh my god, I completely. But since we've started, that. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. This is number nine that we're recording. My God, it was supposed so, to be a joke. Yeah, well, we it was. We still haven't done. <gasps> you know what? What? On the quarantine, um, what do they call it when it's not a normal dozen? 
A baker's dozen. Baker's dozen, that's it. Um, on the Baker Dozen episode of the Quarantine Dozen, which we'll title it the Baker's Dozen of Quarantine or whatever, something like that. Okay, that's when we're going to introduce the Quarantine Dozen song. I like it. Wait, we're going to do that? I don't know how to make a song. I've been okay. So, legitimately, I was talking with you about this earlier, and I stand by this. So, okay, before we get into the topic of the show, I, I want to discuss this. Uh, Sheriff and I, um, last year, for a birthday for my friend, or our friend, excuse me, Cody. He's my friend. The, leg- the legend of so easy. Yes, he is. <laughs> so, okay, backstory to this backstory. <laughs> Um, we're just going deeper into the, the nebulous of our, yeah, friend. yeah, it is. So, uh, I'm not going to count this as a legends of Cody story cause it's too quick and it's really about me, yeah. but he, um, one, one time for his birthday, I bought him a poster. It was the Assassin's Creed black flag poster. Cause if anyone knows Cody, he loves pirates and he loves other things too, but pirates are like the big thing for him. So I bought him that poster, and unbeknownst to me, he was technically homeless at the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I remember that. So I bought him a poster wow. for a wall that he couldn't use, and so he made fun of me for that for so long. Well, ever since then, I have made it my mission. Every one of his birthdays and every Christmas, I buy him a gift that's, like, going to blow him away because I genuinely, like him making fun of me lit a fire under me i was like okay if you think that's lame then here we go so that or you're gonna get him a gift that is so insultingly useless that it will just reignite the entire thing all over again and well so here's a few things that i've gotten him i got him a pirate looking uh, telescope oh yeah um i bought him a pirate wheel You're just like, what, giving decorative him parts one. over the years to build a pirate To ship. build his own boat, yeah. <laughs> um, I also bought him a replica, like, pirate pistol. And in, like, a, inside, like, a glass case kind of thing. Um, and then... Is it a, a breaking case of emergency glass case? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Case of nautical um, emergency? And then you were a part of this. We created a calendar, which I can't remember if we talked about on the podcast or not. We may have. We made a calendar for him where we um, had his wife let us break into their house while she took him out on the town. Break into is in quotation marks. They let us in. Oh, yeah. Well, he didn't didn't know. He did not know. Yeah, she let us in, but he didn't know. And we quickly made a calendar photo shoot in his house, which was hysterical. Um, that was, and that then, was one of the most. That was like one of the most frustrating artistic times of my life. Oh, for sure. Um, and then for his last birthday, we made him an album of songs that you and I created. And roughly, and let's be honest, the songs were a bit silly. Um, there were six songs, a roughly a total silly. of nine minutes total. <laughs> and there were t- album. no. To only two of the songs are full length songs of uh and they were covers. We we took songs and we we did a cover like we were Weird Al. And then we um had a bunch of bits and bobs in the middle. Well, well I was talking to Sheriff no talent. Right. No talent. Um so I was talking to Sheriff about it earlier and I was like, Hey, I really when quarantine is over, I really want to get together and genuinely try to put together a real album and re record some of the stuff that we put together and make them into songs 
And so I've actually been looking into trying to learn how to create music. So maybe the Quarantine Dozen uh, song could wind up being my my beginning, my 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 poker face. muse, my my poker face. <laughs> yes, yes, my poker face. <laughs> my so many times, dude. <laughs> can't expect mm. me to not throw that in there. Yeah, I can't blame you at all for that, can I? Um, you could, but you'd be wrong. I would be wrong. So, sheriff. Hey. Um, question for you. I may or may not have an answer. Uh, what? <laughs> I said I may or may not have an answer. <laughs> you said it so quietly. <laughs> I was trying to be coy about it. Oh, do you want to try again? I may or may not have an answer. <laughs> That's more of like a British, like, snobby coy. It's still coy. Yeah, fair point. I did say coy, didn't I? Um... So this episode is a part two to a running series about sitcoms. Which you wouldn't guess based on the lead up to it. No. Have we said anything up until this we point about not. a sitcom? We're really <laughs> good segue, at our my jobs. My great segue to the, to the topic was, was trains. So I don't think that, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that would give you a good impression of what the episode <laughs> is going to be about. So not we apologize. Enough. Yeah. And if anything from the bloopers from the last episode, they give you any kind of indication, oh <laughs> um, we're still in that state of mind to this day. It's not great, but no. we're making it work. We're making do. We're making do. One step um, at a time. So, Sheriff, last time we spoke about, we, we mainly talked about what sitcoms are. I made a big old list. You did. Um, <laughs> you had some really good points. Um, thank you and we and then we tried to talk about writing a little bit and i think we accomplished it i think you know overall i feel like it was a success i think so too for sure now you mentioned last time that you wanted to make an argument for i believe the jokes of uh the big bang theory which i will allow you to do because in this episode we're going to fixate on jokes we're also going to talk about laugh track versus having a live audience versus having no laugh track and no live audience. So pretty um, much just like an analysis of the comedic style. Right, of sitcoms. Mm-hmm. I like it. As I we like to call it, situational... Commodos. Yes, Commodos. It's a new one. Good. Um, yeah. So would you like to start off with talking about laugh track versus audience or would you like to go ahead and jump right into the fact of of whatever defending you wanted to do for big bang big oh no, no i did it again bing <laughs> big, bong uh, oral? Mm-hmm. big bing bong uh theory all righty so i think we should did you of- understand my question or did i stumble too much <laughs> i feel like i got the gist <laughs> but I feel what, like- where do you want to start <laughs> that yeah that's a, that's a more succinct way to put it uh, so basically what I think we should do is kind of do a quick recap of the main things leading up to our discussion about the laugh tracks or not. Cause like yes. to sum it up, situational comedy is based on like the most important factors are like the same set of characters reacting to different, um, situations, well, though it's in the name, um, different situations. And it has to be kind of. There's a specific camera angle, the single camera setup that we talked about last time that gives Uh it that really, for me, really elucidates what exactly that sitcom feel like. Sure, you can have a you can have a uh, sitcom without having a single camera setup, but it loses that 90s sitcom feel, I I think. 
Um, like uh, an example I gave was Arrested Development, which is a great show. And I would classify it as a situational comedy, but it does have some more creativity and a little bit more, um, I guess, leeway in its camera angles. So I guess it doesn't fit the single camera setup. Um, but it, it still nonetheless fits the, uh, the sitcom description without maintaining that single camera setup rule. Um, now, along that same lines, um, mentioning Arrested Development is one of those shows that does not use any form of laugh track. Uh, does it set it apart comedically from other uh, shows? In a way, it does. But it's because of what I want to talk about today is the reason why that is. Like, mm. why is it that the laugh track is so important for some shows and not important for others? And is it even something positive? Is it necessary? Does it make a show worse for having it on? So that's what I think. That, that's kind of like laying out what I want to talk about today. Okay, I'm down for that. Alrighty. So, are you down for that? I'm not. Uh, I actually said all that stuff to say what I didn't want to do. I misunderstood. Sorry, man. Well, sure. Please lead the way. I shall. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Thank you. I needed. I needed that theme song. Well, it's kind of like you know, like the angels opening up the gate. And and then I just imagine you looking back at me almost Willy Wonka style. Come with me and you'll see whether a laugh track is that important in a situational comedy. Comedy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm losing my mind. Go ahead. I just sang a whole cover of uh, whatever that song is called. Yes, that song is called uh, the Willy Wonka song that he sings um, about imagination. Hmm. It's called Imagination. Is it really called Imagination? I would, ima- I would imagine. <laughs> you imagine all the people living for today? Yeah. Do you think they collaborated on that? <laughs> Willy Wonka and John Lennon? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think that Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory sang pure imagination. So we were close. We were close. That- on that. Oh, did you look it up? I did. I, I was literally about to do that. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> well, how about we get started back on the actual topic? Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Lead the way. Wow. We have just been on a whirlwind of tangents today. This is a great episode. <laughs> it's, like an, it's like geometry. No, mm, I hate uh, that you just ruined this. I'm sorry. All right. It's go tight. ahead. Lead the way. All right. So what we were going to talk about today is comedic style in situational komodos. Like mm-hmm. a dragon. So yes. what, what I want to talk about first is acceptable usage of laugh tracks, you know? So laugh tracks and where it's used okayly or okayly? Is that even a word? Used well or, you know, acceptably. Um, one example I can think of just off the top of my head is Frasier, which I think uses it well. Um, what do you think about that? About, about Frasier and its timing? Is that what you said? Frasier and its laugh track. Oh, the laugh track. Sorry. Where do you I get timing said, from? <laughs> I don't... Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I wish I had okay? the end. Do you need I'm, assistance? Uh, okay. So, well, here's the thing. Um, my, my thing with laugh tracks when it comes to certain shows is, is the joke, is the joke actually funny? Um, or do you feel like you have to laugh because you're hearing this laugh track? So to me, I always felt like Frasier was very good at coming up with jokes 
that were actually funny. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. While like the writing itself lends its lends to laughter naturally, and you feel like you're laughing along with the audience instead of being given a cue to laugh. Right. See, that's one thing that I've argued about Big Bang Theory, which is the fact that I feel like you can tell when you watch an episode, you can tell when they are pausing for the laughter. Yeah, exactly. And for whatever reason, I feel like Frasier, I feel like the actors were well aware of making it look like there was a live audience. So they weren't waiting for the pauses, but they were they were still acting and reacting to the situations that they were in even with the laugh track going, it didn't feel like it was, it didn't feel like they were like, tell joke, pause. Yeah, it's 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 the structuring of the joke around the laugh track in shows like The Big Bang Theory. And now that I'm thinking about it, a lot of Disney Channel shows when I was growing up had that huge, you know, pause for laugh. I'll be honest situation. with you, I feel like all of them did. I, I mean, I honestly don't, I have not watched the Disney Channel since I was a teenager. So it's been a while. <laughs> But I remember a lot of the shows, definitely the action could palpably stop so that this laugh track could play in its entirety. And then the stuff would move on. I'm sure if you did the whole experiment with removing the laugh track, that it would be extremely awkward. By the way, real quick, because I was just curious. Um, there's a TV producer by the name of Christopher Lloyd. He, he, he was the, let me see, where is it? I think he was the producer of Frasier. So I was just kind of curious. Oh no, he was one of the writers. Okay, so the reason I was I was curious because he was he has been a part of some very popular shows. He has writing credits for the Golden Girls, oh, uh, for Wings, for a lot of for Frasier, and some uh, written episodes for Modern Family, and including being the co-creator of Modern Family. And Modern Family has been supremely successful, hasn't it? Very successful. So you, I mean. This is a person who I think understands a lot of those things. He's won 12 primetime Emmy Awards for his work on Modern Family and Frasier combined. He holds the record for winning the most primetime Emmy Awards uh, as either a comedy or a drama series producer. So right off the bat, uh, using this man as a, an example, he, kind of what we talked about last time about you know old versus new, this is a guy who understands the changes and and how to make a sitcom excuse me a sitcom with its jokes be able to make it land not only during the the 90s of Frasier but also in the mid 2000s to 2010s of of now and, yeah. and doing very well at making those jokes hit because I don't think Modern Family has a laugh track does it I don't know I've never seen it but I've seen a couple of clips from it and it doesn't seem like it does have one. If that's it's the case, one of those that doesn't have a, a, a stationary single camera setup as well. So it, it has a few like multiple camera angles, at least from the clips that I've seen. Right. Well, so the thing, the thing is that I feel like if here's, here's what I would say when we talk about laugh tracks, here's how I would do it. If I felt like I needed a laugh track in my show, what I would do is I would rather write a show with the, the basic idea that it's not going to have a laugh track because then you're going to have those jokes lining up and hitting the way you want them to. And then almost add those jokes in later or the, uh, excuse me, the laughs in later. Um, if you can make a comedy show where you feel like you don't need to have laughter, then it's a good show. If you feel like you need it, like I think big bang theory needs it. That's oh, it where you does. struggle. It so does. 
I really want people to, while they're listening to this um, series in the podcast, to like go up and look at episodes of The Big Bang Theory, episodes of Friends, episodes of you know various sitcoms with the laugh track removed, and just see how much it changes the perception of the uh, comedy in that episode or clip. It's insane. Most significantly in, at least from my experience, in The Big Bang Theory as I'm sure I mentioned last episode. Right. Well, let me ask you this, if I may. I'll allow it. Okay. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen of the sitcom uh, gallery, jury, excuse me. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm here to speak to you today about, I'm here to speak to you about jokes. Uh, Jokes that people can laugh at, can cry at. Sir, this is, this Mm -hmm. is a, murder trial oh ooh! did he tell yeah, that joke ah the only joke so far is your testimony <laughs> <laughs> well that hurt i'm sorry um i think i'm gonna leave <laughs> I, I think you should i think uh, should. yeah yeah i'll leave um no sorry uh <laughs> you might be looking for the you know the courtroom across the hall Ah, I feel like they're doing a weird shindig over there. You might have just stepped in the wrong room. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I may be in the wrong one. That's true. No, uh, so here's here's my thought process. You know, when we talk about... See, if we break down jokes as a whole, okay? Not just about sitcom jokes. Jokes as a whole, it's all about the landing when you get to that punchline. Like if, if you... If you're winding up a story that hits a punchline, if it doesn't hit the right way, then then it feels very almost bitter and a lot of times very cringy. You know what I mean? And I feel like if you look at shows like Seinfeld, they did a very good job of pulling out situations and different kind of problems that the main characters could run into that not only felt real, but felt like when you heard the joke that 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 played along with this whole narrative. Like it, it hit the right tones. It hit the right spots. It, they didn't seem forced. They just seemed natural to the situation, even if they didn't hit right away. Yeah. Um, and I think that that lends itself both to the writing of the joke and also the skill of the actors involved too. Oh, for sure. It, it, the skill of the actor is, is very key. Cause I mean, here, like for example, um, this isn't a sitcom, but this this does line up with what we're kind of talking about with with actors. Um, Back to the Future, which is one of the greatest films in in history. Back to the actually, Future. Actually, what's that? Back to the Future is not a sitcom. No, did you not know that? Yikes! I have embarrassed myself in a lot of forums. Then you probably should leave this uh, Discord or sorry, the Discord. I meant to say this this courtroom, but yeah, I was about to. That makes no sense. I yeah, said I, I said the real thing. <laughs> I said I the real thing. What? Yeah. Hmm. Awkward. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> See, that's the that that is the the example of a joke not landing properly. <laughs> huh. Now that you said it, what? It all makes sense. <gasps> now here comes the theme song for when we all learn a lesson. No, what I was <laughs> what I was gonna say was. <laughs> So back to the future, the original casting initially for Marty McFly was not Michael J. Fox. It was actually an actor named Eric Stoltz because Michael J. Fox was actually busy doing a sitcom called Family Ties. Um, Ah, Popular. Well, they filmed like a good portion of it with Eric Stoltz. 
and it just wasn't feeling right like and and even with some of the jokes it just didn't feel right and they made some sort of deal with the producers over with family ties to get michael j fox they wound up reshooting a bunch of scenes with michael j fox and they just talked about how it was not stoltz's it's not his fault it was just like a miscast like it just wasn't comedic enough for what they wanted and but he would be like a, they even said like he'd be a tri- terrific uh, dramatic performance if that's what they wanted but that's not what they needed hmm. uh and so like that's what you think about even with even with sitcoms any kind of any kind of comedic situation if you don't have the right actors who can land those jokes that's why they don't work a great example too would be like a sitcom uh example the it crowd a show that we both love british tv show Wait, that's on is it the it crowd or is it the it crowd you can call it either it crowd or it crowd i've heard it both ways it's just like you know it's i it's it, an it group so i figured it's the it crowd whatever i think you can matter. say both i really think if i looked it up right now i think it would probably say that you could say both well anyway fun fact i don't know if you realize this but this british sitcom did very very well and they actually tried to do an American version. Oh, and that always goes really well. And the American version, they used uh, the same actor to play Moss, which is Richard Ottawaii. I think that's how you say his last name. But instead of uh, Chris O'Dowd to play Roy, they had uh, Joe McHale from Community. Oh, interesting. I watched the... Uh, He's the one who uh, plays... Um winger right what jeff jeff from community yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> that really con- oh his last name is winger i was like yes what? i didn't know that i only know his first name anyway okay <laughs> so i watched that little pilot that they did and you know it wasn't good <laughs> oh. like it just it didn't feel right and i think it's because of the casting and also i think it's because you know instead of attempting to make it something a little bit different like giving it its own writing they tried to reuse old jokes and just like for no no offense to joe McHale, who's a great actor he was miscast as the character of roy it just didn't fit yeah i feel like joel McHale does not fit that uh roy style, style at all no not at all because uh, he seems too cool he doesn't seem like a nerd yeah, he is way too cool and, and way Roy's cool. a decidedly not cool character not at all not at all so that so that that's a great example of talking about when it comes to jokes how you really need to have the right casting uh the right people to land those jokes because they could look good on paper any writer can say yeah this is a great joke but unless you have the right person to hit those punches uh it doesn't matter what kind of laugh track you have or audience man could you imagine having a good joke and it doesn't land with an actual live audience oof that's i can't even imagine i could imagine it but it is not good no not at all not good like you think about seinfeld like they did live audience seinfeld would warm up the crowd before the show yeah with stand-up yes because he's a stand-up comedian wow yeah let me ask you this Let's say you were to create your own sitcom. You didn't wait for me to say I'll allow it, so you're, I'm told. Oh, you sorry. Go ahead. I apologize, Your Honor. I'll allow it. Thank you. Um, you're on thin it, ice. <laughs> this is. I will not let this become a kangaroo court. <laughs> it's too late for you. <laughs> a kangaroo jumps up behind me. Um, 
so uh no my lawyer's a kangaroo <laughs> we're all kangaroos here oh that'd be a funny uh funny sketch yeah i will not let this be a human court in my courtroom <laughs> yeah it sounds like a like a like a cutaway from a rick and morty episode it does it does or family guy anyway sorry back on point this is we're, we're having trouble we are um, getting tangented we're getting tangented let's say exactly. you decide huh never mind don't worry about it okay <laughs> let's say you have your own sitcom okay you feel confident about the casting you feel confident about the jokes and the writing and let's say, I know this is how it goes, but let's say an executive says, okay, we got everything done, but now we just need to know, do you want this laughless, have an audience or a laugh track? If you had to choose, which which one would make you feel more confident? Uh, which one would you prefer? Is there one that scares you more when it comes to a sitcom? Like if it was your sitcom? If it was mine, yeah. Well, for me, if I had to choose which one I'd be scared of most, it would be uh, one that relies on a laugh track. So a laugh track, I'm always afraid of those people on YouTube who are going to remove the laugh track and make make my sitcom look all cringy and weird. So right. That would be, that would be the one that I'd be most wary of because with if you don't use a laugh track, then you can rely more on the situation in the situational comedy. Um, you can use a laugh track if the joke and the and the dialogue is good because in Frasier, um, the laugh track is usually centralized around. Um, either the situation or most of the time it's around the banter that they have you know, mm-hmm. you know Frazier and Niles specifically their humor is is in their cutting quips and quotes which are usually really really well written and I think they're super clever I don't care what anybody says I really enjoy their type of you know highfalutin humor I would I guess you could call it um, but it takes a lot. It takes a really clever person, I think, to write that sort of comedy. And I think that it helps hit home a little bit more with a laugh track and used as sparsely and as uh, reservedly as it is. Like, because you don't hear like laughter that's super loud and it doesn't go on for ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just you know a quick little like if it's a if it's a minor joke, there is you know some giggles from the crowd, you know, in, interspersed in between minor jokes, and then like when the when the real punchline hits. You know the the audience is laughing and then they're stopped and the action doesn't really doesn't take you out of the action like it does in um, Big Bang Theory or in like like the example I noted earlier uh, Disney Channel where like literally you can see the actors and on Nickelodeon and all these children oriented TV shows you can see the actors just stop yeah and, and that always you know makes me feel a little awkward but you know they have to do it. They have to do it because the jokes rely on giving the audience cues. And I don't think that's something I would want to do personally. I want to let right. the writing do the cueing for me. Well, also, too, like you think about like, because like you talk about how natural it feels when they just stop. That's kind of like one thing I kind of enjoy. I don't really watch SNL anymore, but some stuff that I have seen, it's almost a joy when you see like old clips of really good sketches where the crowd is just laughing so hard that they want to continue, but they have to wait. That doesn't make any sense to me. What do you mean? I mean, like, I don't really laugh when I'm watching sports news live. Get out of my court. <laughs> I'm the judge. You can't kick me out of get, my own Get court. out of my court. Um, but yeah, I, I like, I see, I, I know what you mean. Because I've seen other clips besides Big Bang Theory of where you just see people just stop. And... Almost like they look around as if there is an audience there. And I don't know. I just, 
I can't imagine if I had a sitcom putting a fake laugh in there. What would what would be your worst, I guess? Do the do the same thing I did. <laughs> For me, the one that would scare me the most, ironically, would be the one I think I would want the most, which is a live audience. Ooh, um, yeah. It would terrify me because if the jokes don't land, that's really painful to be in front of an audience and completely like, you know, bomb. Oh, yeah, like that's what scares me about the, the idea. Too. Right. You know, and that scares me with the idea of being a, uh, like the idea of a stand up comic. Like, that's a profession I don't know if I could ever do because, like, it, and I know, like, a lot of these comics, a lot of famous ones talk about how they've bombed before. Like, it's like almost like a rite of passage. But to me, man, that, that terrifies me. Um, and it would terrify me that the thought of bombing in front of a large group of people, but at the same time, if you feel confident enough and you put yourself out there, having a live audience to really back up the fact that, yeah, no, this is good. This is a good show. These are good jokes. Like it, it can be really rewarding. And yeah, I don't think I you think. get that same rewarding feeling if you have a laugh track or no laugh at all. Yeah, there's um, a certain energy and electricity that comes from having an audience there who's, you know, actively into it. And that's more right. for, I think, the benefit of the actors themselves. As sure. well as, you know, the, the writers and the directors involved. But then you look at shows like, for example, like we talked about Martin Fallon or even like Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They don't have laugh tracks, but they know that their jokes are hitting because I'm sure they, they understand what they're supposed to be feeling in those in those jokes. They understand how the punchline is supposed to hit. And most of these guys are professional enough or comedic enough to so they know where the laugh is excuse me, where the laugh's going to happen, even though they don't pause for it, they still know what's funny and what's going to make people laugh. Okay, and okay. Let me, let me interrupt you here with a question. Please. In that case, well, first you have to, you have to allow it. I, I, I allow it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to take any chances here. I mean, I know I'm the judge here, but I don't want to hold my, have to hold myself in contempt. Right, no, that makes sense. Yeah, no, no yeah. All right, so what I want to ask is, why even bother with laugh tracks anymore then? Why do studios do this? I don't know. I don't they know. Have the, they have the resources to, to get writers that know what they're doing. Because um, I'm sure the writers on Big Bang Theory were, they know what they're doing. They're trained. But did, did they, who made the decision to write and write these jokes around the laugh track in the first place? Like, why not go either studio audience or no laugh track whatsoever? Because I feel like yeah. you'd be forced, if you didn't have a laugh track, you would just be innately forced to go for making more solid hijinks, um, more solid dialogue, and uh, making sure there are no, I guess, dead moments. You know what you know, I think it is? Don't land. Um, to me, if I were, if I were, I, I think a lot of people in Hollywood probably prefer without a laugh track. If I had to guess, but I think I think it is that lack of confidence why people do that. I really do. I think it's that they don't have a confidence that if they don't have a laugh track, people aren't going to know what the jokes are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure, like, like for example, like to me, a joke in Big Bang Theory would be like, you know, if somebody does something and then like Sheldon winds up saying, well, that would be just as crazy as when Batman had to defeat Catwoman in number, uh, comic book number 76 or something like that. That's not really a joke, but there'd be a laugh track there. People would think, oh, that's the joke. 
it's because he knows a specific comic book number. No, that's not the joke. It's a reference. It's not. It's not. It's a reference that he knows the number. But they put a laugh track there because they want you to think, oh, it's funny that he knows a specific comic book. And it's like, no, that's not. That's not funny. That's, that's not funny. Like you take the laugh track out, and it doesn't even seem like a joke. No, that's it just seems. It, Frazier it sounds, does better. Frazier, like, if you take the laugh track out of Frazier, I imagine, I've not done this personally. We should try there that. are a lot of things that, yeah, I want to see if somebody's done that or if we, I don't know how you would do it, but it would be a cool experiment simply because I feel like a lot of the jokes are really, really solid. Like, I would laugh out loud in person if I would, you know, I was, I was overhearing this and, you know, I was in Cafe Nervosa and I hear, you know, Frazier saying some joke about something highfalutin as usual and, uh, you know, I think yeah. that's funny. It's it's because it's a clever writing that that makes it. There's no there's no real finesse, I think, with uh, the Big Bang Theory's joke style. No, honestly, I feel like it's just references, and they expect all, you to laugh at it. See, that's why when, when I talk about like confidence, like to me, if they had the confidence in their in their jokes and what their writing style, then why put the laugh track in? Exactly. Either don't like Always Sunny is confident in their jokes. They are very confident and in in, in so confident that they push the envelope multiple times and it works. They've been going on for, I think, 14, 15 seasons now. Man, good for them. And it's good. It's still good. And they don't have a laugh track. Um, they don't need it because they have confidence in their writing style and their jokes. And so I would let me, let me interrupt you here with just another. Yeah, please, question. please. Um, can you please allow it? Mm, I suppose. Is this joke going to go on all day? <laughs> Listen, I started this being, I don't want this to be a kangaroo court. And you said yourself, you don't want it to be a kangaroo court. I so don't. I think for this episode, since you brought up kangaroo courts, I refuse to be in a kangaroo court. All right. So we will do this by the book that okay. I wrote. Okay. Thank you. Freaking do things the right way. Gosh. <laughs> you need to calm down. Sorry. I didn't mean it. I did. Um, <laughs> Great. What I was going to say is uh, <laughs> I completely lost track of what I was going to say. Ah, all right. So let's, let's explore the reasoning why. Uh, what is it in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia that makes us so they don't need or wouldn't benefit from a laugh track? One thing that I think that they do or a characteristic of their show that thinks doesn't necessitate a laugh track from them is their characters have so many options. Like they have four characters who are not like, they're not like backed into a niche. Like we have in big bang mm. theory, the Pakistani guy or Indian guy. I forget what his um, name is. Raj. Yeah. He's just the socially awkward one. That's what he does. That's his thing. Can't talk to women. Uh, and then you got Sheldon. He's the, the weird nerdy guy. Oh, he's got, OCD or something. And then you got Leonard, he's just another socially awkward guy. And you got Penny, she's the hot one. And yeah. you know, those things can like really, really encapsulate their entire character in some cases. Uh, but you don't really get that in the characters uh of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They're very three-dimensional. Like, you know, you get sure you could probably label each character, but there's a lot that those labels can do. Like, take Charlie, for example. He's a wild card that literally opens up pretty much any possibility for him. And in, in, like comedically, you can mm -hmm. make him, you can make him the jokester. You can make him the one who's doing crazy things. You could even 
um, subvert that and make it so that he's the straight man for once and everybody else is doing crazy stuff. Like you see how you see how I'm like I'm coming up with a lot of options yeah, uh, yeah. for comedy around one character and one part of their identity. Um and, and he's got so many. And then you've got like, you know, this weird, almost psychopathic nature of uh Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Where he's got like this weird God complex, this Adonis complex of his and um even even around that like he can be he can provide a foil for all the other characters but he also has some craziness deep inside that lends him to his own uh brand of of craziness mm-hmm. so he can be he can act both as a straight man and as the uh you know the weird wild card and same thing with D and Mac like they all have they can do much anything with the characters but i feel like in the big bang theory you get these characters locked into uh-oh uh oh, is right. Hi guys, Marcus here from the future. Um, if there's any kind of noise in the background, I apologize. I'm on my lunch break at work, figuring I should record this. Uh, not figuring, I plan to. Um, Sheriff was about to go on a beautiful tangent about how, you know, Big Bang Theory characters are locked into place. You know, they're they're locked into this creative box. Um, and I'd love to tell you that Hollywood, you know, cut his mic, that they didn't want, you know, they didn't want the information getting out there, the info he knew. But in fact, it was just that his internet cut out. <laughs> and when we got back online and started recording, uh, we forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> we forgot where we left off, so we just decided to wrap it up. And as you know, uh, wrapping it up means another... 10 minutes roughly <laughs> so there's that uh, now what was I talking about whoa that was whoa. weird whoa. <laughs> I'm so in- uh, disoriented whoa. Uh, well you heard what happened guys so we don't have to repeat it but um, hey let's let's Pull into our final thought. Um, we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. Um, Sheriff, uh, ultimate opinion, I think, from the both of us is we feel as if you should have a live audience or no audience at all. Yeah, a laugh track, I feel, either it does one of two things. It either gives an artificial cue for the audience to laugh, uh, which kind of, I feel, gives a crutch for the comedy, and, or it makes it so that um the writing needs to be written around it and that's just not good in my opinion or arguably like, you, it could say that it makes the audience feel like they're dumb for not getting the joke it's like you should be laughing here but i don't think this is funny no 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 laugh laugh yeah, at it and and like it's also like a power of suggestion sort of thing because you know if you're in a group of people and you know one person laughs you know, nobody else is going to laugh. But if like five people are laughing and there are other five people, they're probably going to laugh too, just because of that power of suggestion. Other people are laughing. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't think it's that funny, I always find that I laugh more when more people are laughing. So yep. it, it kind of artificially inflates the humor of the situation. Another key point I think we both agree with is that really um, jokes are important in how they land, but not as important as having the right actor to hit those punchlines 
acting is very key in making those jokes land the way they need to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it needs it's a it's a mixture between having proper writing and dialogue and having an actor who is you know comedic enough you know like the like the um the issue between using michael j fox and stotts i think that was his last name i think so eric stotes or s-t-o-t s-t-o-t-z what yeah that him yeah stotes or stotts i'm just gonna go with stotts whatever um Stoltz. The, what, I'm sorry, Stoltz. Oh, I wanted to get that right. Oh, there's an L. All right, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so the most important thing to me is having an actor who, sure, I mean, an actor can be great and very talented, but sometimes comedy is just not their wheelhouse, and uh, there are better choices out there. So sure, they, they might be good at it, but there might be better options, people who are lend themselves more naturally to comedy in general. Uh, and I feel like Michael J. Fox definitely did uh, meet that comedic, he had more affinity for the comedic role than uh, Stoltz did. And that is, you know, it's 50-50 there between the actor and the writer, but arguably the writing has to come first and be solid before even an actor can come through and give their own personal touch to it. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I, um, I just want the entire jury to hear me when I point to this judge and I say, this movie man has created a kangaroo court i would like for him to leave who's how dare with you? me <laughs> let's do a mutiny i'm jury. speaking as the let's, judge let's, and let's mutiny together i'm holding the kangaroo in contempt for corn for corn <laughs> is core is kangaroo corn 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 are you saying corn, C-O-R-M, or corn, C-O-R-N? you're missing the point here. We have a kangaroo in the court right now, and it is unacceptable. So we have to get rid of this kangaroo corn so that we could get on with business. Are you saying quorum? <laughs> I think you're focusing on the wrong factor here. There is a live animal within the corn, and we need to move on. We need to get them out of here so we can get on with corn session. You know what? This might what? be the first time I agree with you, Judge. The, thank you. I mean, I am the judge, so I am basically... I, my, what I say goes. I don't like this power that you have. <laughs> I will hold you in contempt. <laughs> I think you're trailing off. I, I think you don't know what you're saying anymore. and You're just trailing off. <laughs> don't make me... This is corn, okay? You have to follow the rules. You have to follow mm -hmm. the law. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what is happening? I don't know anymore. Look, let's just wrap this thing up. Hey, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, it was really all over the place, but I feel like it was still fun. Um, if we're approaching you... the tail end of the quarantine dozen, and it, I think it shows. And the beginning of the double dozen. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is there actually a word? Is there a, a term if you buy oh. two boxes, two box of dozens? The double box special. Yeah. It's yeah, that's what we're going to call it. It's the double dozen, the double D. You know, I'm going to, um, you know, here's what I'm going to say. 
Todd's, if you enjoyed this episode, minus the last joke there, um, please check us out on Twitter, on on Instagram. We're posting more often on Instagram. You I will did have a seen post. You didn't. You didn't post it, but you did. I was I'd involved post it in for it. you. You were involved, yeah, and it was. I was involved in it. It was quite beautiful. Um, you. You're magnificent. I and think I do have a, a. I could be an influencer. I don't. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you no. What? You never believe in my dreams. Never. Um, so yeah, not when I wanted in- to be a judge, <laughs> not when I wanted to get rid of the kangaroo, and not now when I want to be an interesting... In- Why is everything ending with an M? I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. Anyway, remember to email us if you want to get something, if you want to get your voice heard on the Palmcast, and then <laughs> I really want to make sure that you guys... Let us know if there's something particular, and if you what you what do you guys think about lamb tracks? Do you think that they're grain? Do you think that they're gum? <laughs> I see what you're doing. <laughs> anyway, you need thank sleep. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take us out. I'll take us out. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, email us at gmail.com. You can find us at podbean.com. Uh, I found out earlier if you Google nonsensical brilliance, most of our stuff comes up. Also, I found out there are other websites that we don't use that seem to have our podcasts on them. I thought that was interesting. We should talk I can about explain that. that to you later. Oh, yeah. please do. Um, yeah. And I think that's it. I, I think, uh, Sheriff, would you, do you have anything to say? Um, all I have to say is... Uh... Silence in the corn. <laughs> That's not what I wanted you to say. I want you to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wanted you to say it. Fine. Bless you, Todds. Bless you, Toms. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs>